0: Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Blessing Place Wesley Chapel. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at our gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. It is always a privilege to stand and to share the word. I count it a very sacred place, um, giving the word of God. and. Uh, I get nervous over that, and then I get nervous, and I look out, and there's so many people here today, and it's like, oh, Lord Jesus. (laughs) 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 So, (laughs) know this. I go in his grace and his power, and this morning, I am going to be starting in Romans 8 and 28, and I'm going to be reading that one from the New Living Translation and just so you know i do use my hands when i when i talk and when i preach and it drives the sound person nuts but she told me i could put that thing in my ear and it was like oh no <laughs> i don't i don't like stuff in my ears and i don't i've never i tried earbuds once they hit the trash <laughs> i just don't like stuff in my ears so it's like yeah we're going to deal with the mic and i'll try to be still but i'm not promising <laughs> oh I drive them nuts too (laughs) now we know that all things work together for good for those who love God who are called according to his purpose this is one of our banner scriptures we like this scripture it makes us happy but I'm not sure we fully take a look at what this scripture is saying and not too long ago I'm a Jesus labber I don't know if any of the rest of you are or not, but I'm a Jesus Labber, and that's what they call us. They, every week on the video, they say, welcome, Jesus Labbers. And I'm like, okay, I'm a Jesus Labber. <laughs> so, but Tracy asked a question, and she said, how many of you believe that scripture? And I got to thinking about it, and I thought, I don't, I don't have faith on this scripture it's not faith that causes me to say, yeah, this, this works. It's what I have seen. And most of the time, when you're going through stuff, it's hard to see God works all things together for good. And it's not until after. And we look back and say, oh, I see what you were doing now. He does, very rarely does God say, I'm doing this and this, and I'm allowing this and this and this so that this is going to take place. That is not something that he does, not for me most of the time. It's I'm a walking by faith here. And it's when things are getting rough and things are getting hard and I'm just really trying to, to war through this thing, I'm not seeing that it's necessarily for the good. It's not there. And I'm usually going, hey, God, where are you? And there's a lot of times just silence. And my faith is what keeps me going. And then later, sometimes years later, I look back and say, oh, I see that now. Wow, you were weren't you? (laughs) And he does. And one of the stories, now pastor has been preaching in the Old Testament and last, last Sunday uh, there was a little bit of what he touched on that I'm going to touch on a little bit here today too. But one of the best stories I know to present this to you today is the story of Joseph. And he starts in Genesis 37. Now he was born to Rachel and Jacob And as you know, Rachel was Jacob's favorite wife. And so it took a long time for Joseph to be born because she was so favored and Leah was not that he blessed Leah's womb and did not Rachel's. And then one day she bore a son and his name was Joseph. And the scriptures tell us that Jacob, he loved Joseph because he was born of his old age. He was about 91 joseph was born now benjamin followed after but yet and benjamin also was the son of rachel and yet joseph was the favored one and this caught just as there were problems between rachel and leah over the favoritism there was problems between the other sons and joseph over the favoritism and at this time in in uh, genesis 37 uh, joseph was about 17 and he was already not liked by his brothers and favoritism is something that is a very hard way to live the child that receives the favoritism has they are known as a lot of times they become bratty and arrogant and well I'm the favorite child I can do what I want But that doesn't always happen. Sometimes that child lives an ostracized life because they're not included in anything because they're the favorite one. They're blamed for everything because they're the favorite one. And Joseph did not have an easy life at home. He had a hard life at home. And yet his heart, and and a lot of it says that uh, Joseph was hated by his brothers because their father loved him more. And Joseph helped with the sheep. He had to go help those brothers with jobs every day. He helped with the sheep and he helped Bilhah and, or he helped the boys that were the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah, who were the concubines. But Joseph, the other thing that did not make him popular was that the scriptures tell us that he reported the behavior, the bad behavior of his brothers to his father. Okay. So you've got a kid that knows his dad's not going to approve of this, and so he says, well, dad, here's what happened today. So Joseph is more hated than ever before because the brother that has already loved the most and loved the best is now tattling on everything that they're doing. And it's like, you got to be careful. Joseph's coming, you know. And they did not... They they did not just dislike their brother. They hated him. The word used in the scripture is sané, and it is hate with a passion. They hated him. Life at home could not have been fun. And then something even more happens to cause more hatred and tension. Joseph dreams dreams. And I'm going to take the time and read them. Then Joseph, 37 and 5. Uh, In the NASB is where I'm at, but then Joseph had a dream and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. And he said to them, please listen to this dream which I have had. Now I want you to notice that there are some teachers and preachers and even some Bible translations that uh, use the word that he was arrogant with his words. I have never seen that. And, And even when he's sharing the dreams, I don't see that. He may have been, but when I do the word study, and Pastor may know more than me, when I do the more, well, I know he knows more than me, but <laughs> when I dig into the words, I don't find arrogance anywhere. I don't find that attached to where it says they hated his words or he said his. I don't find that. So I, I myself am going to just keep on going, and, and I just don't see that he was a bratty kid or an arrogant person but maybe you do, and that's fine. I'm not going to argue with you over it. (laughs) He said, please listen to this dream which I have had. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and behold, my sheaf stood up and also remained standing. And behold, your sheaves gathered around and bowed down to my sheaf." Then his brother said to him, are you actually going to reign over us? Or are you really going to rule over us? So if there was arrogance anywhere, that's where I get it when I'm reading the scriptures. But so they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Then he had yet another dream and informed his brothers of it and said, Behold, I have had yet another dream. And behold, the sun and the moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. He also told it to his father as well as to his brothers, and his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have had? Am I and your mother and your brothers actually going to come to bow down to the ground before you? And his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Now, his brothers had built up such a fine hatred that this dream just capped it off. They were done. And they resented him and what he stood for they could not gain the love of their father because of Joseph they couldn't do anything right because of Joseph they were always in trouble because of Joseph and they hated him and his father sent him to check on him he, he w- stayed home one day and his brothers went out with the sheep and his dad said go check on him and I guess it's because He knew their antics because Joseph had been telling him. And they were supposed to be in Shechem. And Joseph says, and different versions say it different ways, but he says, here I am, or I'm ready. He always was ready to do what his father bid him to do. Now, I don't know about you, but if my parent comes and says, I want you to go out to your brothers, I'm going to be like, oh, no. Do you know what they're going to do when I get there? Do you know what they're going to say? Do you know how they treat me? Do you know how much they hate me? But Joseph says, "I'm ready. Here I am. I'm going." And there's going to be times in our life when we're looking at a situation and we're like, "I don't want to go there. I don't want to do this, that I know what's waiting for me there. I do not want to go. But Joseph says, "I'm ready." And he gets up and he goes. And his, his, he gets to there, and Shechem was about 49 miles from where they were located. And he gets there and he can't find his brothers. And he's searching around, and a man comes by and says, oh, they went on to Dothan. Now, I don't know if Joseph was walking, riding a camel, riding a donkey, riding a horse. I don't know. But back then, 49 miles was not a quick trip. And then he finds out they've gone to Dothan, and that's about 64 more miles. Okay, this girl's going home. This girl ain't going after her brothers. She already knows they're not in a good mood. She already knows that there's nothing good gonna happen there. And to go sixty four more miles after already going forty nine, I ain't going. I'm going home. And Joseph says, "All right." And I'm amazed at this dude that gets there and his brothers. Supposed to be, and he says, "Okay, I'm going to go on the other 60 some miles and find my brothers because that's what Dad wants." Most of the time, when God's telling me to go that extra mile, I'm going, "I don't want to, God, I don't want to do this." And God's just waiting, and I'm like, "No, I don't want to." And then eventually, not nearly as quickly as Joseph, I say, "Okay," and I go, but I'm not happy, and I'm not in a good frame of mind. Joseph just appears to be going along, go da-da-da-da-da. It's a good day to be walking on this road. hee I don't work that way. I wish I did. My family wishes I did. My kids wish I did. <laughs> but I don't work that way. But he, as he's approaching, his brothers see him coming, and they decide to kill him. Now, we've, we hear the phrase, you know, a lot, I'm going to kill you, and it doesn't mean anything, but in this instance, It meant something. They were going to kill him. And they looked at him and they said, we are going to kill this dreamer. Now, when you look that up in Strong's 1167, it means master of dreams. They said, we're going to kill this master of dreams. Have you had a dream? How many years have you had the dream? And Satan's saying, I'm going to kill the dream. I'm going to kill the hope. I'm going to kill what you've been praying for. I'm going to kill that dream. It's not going to survive. It's not going to take place. The brothers did not want him ruling over him. They did not want him master over them. They did not like the dream that he had and what it meant. And they weren't going to have it. The devil looks at our lives and he says, oh, you've got dreams. God's placed dreams in your heart. God has said, this is what I'm going to do. And the enemy goes, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill the dream and I'm going to kill the hope. And I'm going to take it down and it's not going to be resurrected. They're gonna die. They're gonna give up hope and they're gonna lose out with God, and I'm gonna have them. That's what the enemy wants to do to your dreams. And that's exactly what the brothers intended to do. But God still was working things. He already had things in place, He was already moving in that situation so that the devil could not bring Joseph down. And He cannot bring you down. You've got a dream, you've got a hope, you've got life because God has given it. So I have five children. Two are in the house of God this morning. The other three are not living for the Lord. But I have the word of God. I have the promise of the most high God that my kids are going to be in the house of God. I've got seven grandchildren. Is it just seven? (laughs) Okay. I've got. (laughs) I'm not good with numbers (laughs) or dates. I have seven grandchildren and two great-grandchildren. One's on the way. It's not here yet. But they're on their way. (laughs) And they've got promise. And I have a promise. They will serve the Lord. I do not give that up. You don't want to be in my bedroom when I'm praying over my lost kids and my lost grandkids. Because there's a war going on as I'm fighting for the promise that God has given me. And I ain't letting go of that no matter what. That is my promise. That is my dream. That is my hope. And I am not giving it up to the devil because he says I'm gonna kill it. Didn't matter what the brothers said they were gonna do. God had a plan for good. Doesn't matter what the devil tells you. God has a plan for good. <laughs> here this morning really needed that, but take it and run with it. (laughs) Reuben, the oldest one, the one that lost his inheritance. (laughs) Reuben says, oh, we can't kill him. You, You can't kill him. Let's just, just, just put him in the pit for now until we decide what to do, but we can't, we can't kill him. And so they put him in the pit, and the scriptures, for some strange reason, makes a point of saying there was no water in that pit. So I don't know how long he stayed in that pit, but he must have gotten thirsty. And they sat down to eat. (laughs) They've got Joseph in the pit. They've stripped him of his multicolored coat that represented the favoritism of their dad. And he's in the pit with no water, and they sit down to eat. Now, I don't know where Reuben goes, but he's apparently not there. Because there's some travelers that come through. (laughs) My mind went blank there for a moment. And one of the brothers says, okay, let's make a prophet to Judah the one that received the big inheritance, says, well, let's make a profit out of this for ourselves. Let's sell him. So they sold him, and the travelers took him to Egypt. And there he sold to Potiphar. And Joseph knows what God has promised. I don't know what his thoughts were on the way to Egypt, but this girl would have been going, hey, God, (laughs) I am not where I'm supposed to be. I am not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I have gone through a spell where I didn't have the opportunity or the privilege to teach or preach for a long time, and I didn't have any messages from God coming. It was dry. And I thought, okay, I guess I'm done. I guess this ministry is finished. And then one day, God began to deal with me, and I have a hard time, just as I have a hard time keeping track of who all's who in my family? I have a hard time. T- I don't know how old I am most of the time. Now, this year I know. Don't ask me. You always had to ask Michael how old I was or how many years I'd been married because I didn't know. This year I know because Medicare people are driving me nuts. I've got mail and I've got phone calls. I'm going to be 65 this year, therefore I need Medicare. So I'm telling God, I'm too old. (laughs) I'm too old to have a ministry anymore. Apparently because there's nothing coming. And then, a few years ago, all of a sudden, I began getting messages again. (laughs) And there's nothing like when you think things are dead and you think things are gone You think things are finished. It's all dried up and there's nothing there. And then all of a sudden, the well begins to flow. The water begins to bubble. And there is a return of what you once knew and more. (laughs) And Joseph was on his way to a strange place, but he was still trusting the Lord. He wasn't where he was supposed to be or he wasn't where he thought he was supposed to be. And I certainly wasn't where I thought I was supposed to be. You know, when my husband died, I was like, I'm not supposed to be here. I told God, I said, God, you took the wrong one. My kids need you. You took the wrong one, God. I'm, this isn't where I'm supposed to be. And that next church service, the pastor's mom came over and began to pray for me, and she leaned her head down and got in my ear and said, Rachel, God did not take the wrong one. <laughs> Don't despair over where you're at. Because God's gonna use where you are, and you're exactly where you're supposed to be. You're exactly where He wants you at this time. He uses, there are things that He allows that are yucky. There's just no other word for it. They're yucky. And I don't want to be here, and I don't want to be doing this. It's like that last few weeks of pregnancy. It's like, I am over this. I am over the swollen feet. I am over having to go up the bathroom every two seconds. I am over the discomfort. I can't sleep at night, because this kid ain't still ever. I am over this. I'm done. Let's get this through. I'm ready for the pain. I'm done. We get that way in our spiritual life, too. We are over this situation, and we want it done. And God doesn't, that that delivery date doesn't always come when we want it to, believe me. It just doesn't. And sometimes God leaves us in a place for a while, and we're learning, and we're growing. And the one thing we're learning is trust, trust in him. So we went to work for Potiphar. And God blessed him. No matter what situation you're in, if you look, you'll see God's blessing. You'll see God's favor. Why? Because you're his sons and daughters. No matter where you're at, no matter what you're doing, there is going to be the favor of the Lord. So Potiphar promoted Joseph, and then something nasty happened. Potiphar's wife got involved. And Joseph said, no, and she said, yes, and he said, no, and she said, yes, and he said, no, and one day she said, you will, and he said, I won't, and he ran, and he left his coat. His coats get him in more trouble. And Potiphar come home, and she lied, and said he tried to rape me. So guess where he goes? He goes to the dungeon. He goes to prison. Again. This is not how this is supposed to be. If I'm going to rule and reign like you showed me in my dreams, why am I in the dungeon? Sometimes we got to go through the dungeon to get to the high places that God has called us to be. You've got to experience the low places before you can go to the high places. You've got to understand the darkness. You've got to understand the silence. You've got to understand when it's not going just as you thought it would go, just as I thought it would go. I never dreamed. (laughs) I always thought I would die first and Michael would be left behind and remarry and, and just Live until uh, you know eternity happened, but that's not the way it happened. I haven't liked it, not at all. And I tell God that every little bit. I am totally honest with Him. I am always respectful, but I am honest, and I tell Him when I don't like something because if I don't, I'm lying, and I'd rather just go ahead and be honest. God, I hate this. That's exactly what I say. God, I hate this. This stinks, and I don't like where I'm at. Joseph's in the prison. He's in a dungeon. He does not have freedom. It stunk there, literally. It stunk there, (laughs) and he's still doing the best he can for God. Scripture says that whatever you find to do it, do it with all your might, as unto the Lord. And that's exactly what Joseph did. He did it with all his might, as unto the Lord. And then there came a day where the butler and the baker were thrown into prison and they had dreams. And Joseph interpreted them. He was the master of dreams. Remember who you are. Even in the dungeon, remember who you are. He was the master of dreams. And he told him, he said, when you when you get called back out. The baker was going to be beheaded. The butler was going to be restored. And I'm sure the baker did not like his interpretation. I wouldn't have. You know, the baker was hesitant about sharing his dream until <laughs> he saw the butler had a good one. And then he said, oh, his interpretation was good. I'll share mine. And he said, oh, you're going to die. <laughs> but Joseph interpreted the dream. He was the master of dreams. And the butler forgot. And Joseph was eventually called to a place of rulership under Pharaoh because he interpreted Pharaoh's dream because when the Pharaoh had a bad dream, the butler remembered him. 30 years passed. It had been 30 years. But in the end, God saved the nation of Israel because Joseph was where he was supposed to be. Eventually... God worked it all out. If he hadn't been in the dungeon, he wouldn't have interpreted the dreams. Would he have had access to Pharaoh without that? it's a good question. God works all things to the good for them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. <laughs> you have to look back sometimes to see what God has done. So the next time you're in a yucky place, you look back to the other yucky place and say that while the God did that there. I don't see where I'm going here. I don't understand what's happening here. But he will work it out and keep on going. Keep on going. 30 years. And then when he finally revealed himself to his brothers, Genesis 50 and 19 in the NASB, but Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for I am, for am I in God's place? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. There are those that mean evil against you, and Satan's working through them. Remember, they're not the enemy. The enemy is the one who wants you dead. He wants to kill you. He wants to kill your dreams. He does not want you on this planet doing God's will but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to keep many people alive. You and I are rescuing souls. We are rescuing the lost. We are rescuing the ones that are on their way to hell. We are a light, and you may be the only light some people see. God means it for good to rescue the many and when you're really down and you're really thinking I'm not sure if I'm going to make it out of this yucky place 2nd Corinthians 4 and 7 through 9 in the TPT passion translation (laughs) we are like common clay jars (laughs) I love this next part (laughs) that carry this glorious treasure within (laughs) Never thought of myself as a treasure now my husband used to tell me all the time you're beautiful and I for the longest time I didn't believe him because I always thought I was ugly and he would say you're beautiful and finally one day it hit me he really thought that <laughs> I, I I was amazed and I'm like you really do think I'm beautiful and he goes yes I do <laughs> she got it <laughs> I have a glorious treasure in me. (laughs) It's from him, and he put it there. He thought this earthen vessel was good enough for that treasure so that this immeasurable power will be seen as God's, not ours. (laughs) Though we experience every kind of pressure, lots of pressure nowadays, pressure from life, pressure from family, pressure from the world, But though we experience every kind of pressure, we're not crushed. (laughs) I may be squeezed and there may be oil coming out, but I ain't crushed. (laughs) This grape may give forth juice or wine, or there may be some olive oil coming out of this olive, but I'm not crushed. I will share my anointing that God has given me and this glorious treasure will be revealed to you just as well because I'm not crushed. <laughs> he says, at times we don't know what to do. Oh, man, have I been there. <laughs> and I, that's when I say, oh, God, I need your wisdom and your counsel because I have no idea what to do in this situation. And he does every time. Amen. Every time. Amen. But quitting is not an option. Have you got that? Did you hear that? No matter what, quitting is not an option. No say that with me. Quitting is not an option. Get that in your soul. If you quit, where are you going to be? Quitting is not an option. We are persecuted by others, but God has not forsaken us. We may be knocked down, but we are not out. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Blessing Place Wesley Chapel. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at our gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.